When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I am Bob Wankel, and a special edition of Crossed Up this evening because we're doing it at night. We're doing it on a Thursday night, late night, 9.47 start time for the podcast this evening. If you uh, have been listening this season, you know that we are typically AM guys, and if you watch us on YouTube, I don't know how Anthony does it, but he's never drinking coffee. I always have my my extra large iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. But tonight, no iced coffee. Going with the beer. Nice. So this is fun because the Phillies were brutal today, Anthony. And it was a pretty uninspiring series overall. I don't think that either of us are going to hit the panic button on this episode, but not great, man. No, not good. And I'm checking in, by the way. The reason we're recording at night is I'm checking in from our – um, house up in the mountains you may see family members wandering into the photo and in the, in the video in the background like my dad is right now and uh my two sons are also here we're headed to cleveland for phil's phil's guardians uh this weekend and so we decided to make the trek up here tonight uh, make it a shorter drive tomorrow but um i wasn't able to see the game today i know you were down there um, you didn't miss much. Sounds like it. Sounds like it was uh, it was an ugly, ugly effort by the Phils lineup. Although Corbin Burns has been pitching his his ass off lately, right? So, ten strikeouts for him, two hits, eight innings. Yeah, there was not a lot to really discuss. I mean, I think that this game today was probably just offense stinks, and you know, got beat by a dominant pitcher. I mean, I guess Taiwan Walker was okay, right? I mean, you know, it looks like he gave up like one the one home run to Yelich, but otherwise was was okay right i mean I, I don't know what 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 else was there to say about the game you were there well thanks for tuning in that'll do it for the latest episode <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean that was that i think you pretty much hit the uh nail on the head right there i mean listen it was it was a very simple game today and it was one of those games where i think that you know the phillies are obviously in this playoff hunt and everybody's kind of living and dying by every single game. And I'm sure that you had some crazies out there that were ready to throw things at the wall today and want to break their TV. But I think for the most part, people kind of identified the game for what it was, which is the Phillies ran into a buzzsaw on Corbin Burns. He was outstanding his last time out against the Reds on, on Friday night. Uh, and he was great again today. I mean, he has 36 strikeouts in, I believe, four starts this month. He's only allowed eight hits. He has a ERA just a shade over one. I mean, he's been outstanding, and so this was not unique to what happened to the Phillies lineup today. This wasn't a matter of, wow, they had some opportunities and they didn't cash in. They were utterly dominated. And, you know, I think my takeaway overall is that that they lost the game I don't think is overwhelmingly a disappointment. Um, it's not the end of the world. Like I don't have any awesome takes for you in light of what happened, uh, but – you know, I guess one thing I would have liked to have seen would have been the ability to sort of spoil a little bit, work a little bit, 
get some pitches in the zone that you could perhaps handle. I mean, what they had today, they had two hits, Anthony, and one was a flare by Nick Castellanos, and, and the other one was basically an infield single that, in stricter times, could have potentially been ruled an error, you know? Like, I mean, that's that's what they were limited to today. And so you tip your cap and you say it is what it is, but I think if we're going to, like, sit here and agonize over one of the results in this series, it was probably in Wednesday night's game yeah, uh, where they fall behind early, they get back into it, and, you know, then, then some things happen late and they don't, they don't get it done. But, I mean, overall, I just don't have it in me. Like, I'd love to come on here because I think a lot of fans like to listen to, to us and – you know, I think we're informative, but sometimes when I get going, I can kind of cater to the crazy fan that sort of overreacts to shit. I'll be honest with you. Like, I just kind of walked out of there today and was like, all right, you know, like, let's see what happens this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, you, the game, we, we kind of knew, right? We kind of knew that going into the series that they were going to have to, if they were going to win the series, they were going to have to get the first two. Um, and and that's not to say that there was no confidence in, in Taiwan Walker, but we know how this lineup gets. We know that they are a free-swinging lineup at times, and we know that Corbin Burns has been on fire. So that was kind of like a not a great matchup for the Phillies. And so it was like, if you're going to win this series, take the first two games. And then if you lose the third one, okay, so you lose the third one. Um, now you've lost, you lose two out of three. Um, it's not great, but at the same time, you know, you won three out of four against San Diego. You probably thought split out of that series. So... In essence, you're probably right where you thought you would be um, heading into this series against against Cleveland. My, I guess the bigger question is, is that, you know, what the heck is going on? What are they going to do now with the lineup? Because there's a lot of things taking place, Bob. I mean, you know, Derek Hall got sent back down. Josh Harrison's going to be reactivated tomorrow, but that doesn't seem like a the, the right swap because now right. you're adding a right-handed hitter who plays second, third, and left field, replacing a left-handed first base only guy. I almost think like something else has to happen here. And just as a little note, Jake Cave started at first base at Lehigh Valley tonight. Cody Clemens was not in the lineup. They're in Toledo, Ohio, so they can meet the team in Cleveland if they want to call one of those guys up. I kind of think that's going to happen tomorrow, and maybe Drew Ellis ends up being the the odd man out. But who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. But I think something else is going to happen with this lineup. Before, you know, and, and and then we'll carry that way for probably the next 11 days before the deadline. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And there are a few things that I think uh, independent of the results that we saw this past weekend. And I know that we like to talk about what happened, what's going to happen. But I think that there are some roster things that we definitely need to touch on and dive into in this show. And I think we have to have a Bryce Harper conversation because uh, yeah, you know, for sure. I'm not uh, like, I, I don't always come with the, with the takes, but my radar is up on Bryce Harper right now. There's, there's something up here. And so I definitely want to entertain that conversation here in a little bit. Um, before we get to the roster stuff, just like a quick note on kind of unpacking what we saw here over the weekend. And, and then obviously during the week uh, against the Brewers, I mean, I think what what I'm thinking at this point is it's more centered around this idea that again the offense like Anthony like you you got to help me here because I'm getting to the point with this offense where I just every time I see like the 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 glimmer of hope or like the okay this is what it's supposed to look like I kind of get kicked back to reality. And, you know, again, like you look at what they did this week and here, here you go. Here's a take. The Padres are the brewers without a bullpen. 
You know, five of the seven games on this homestand, the Phillies trailed by three runs or more. They dug themselves hole after hole after hole. And against the Padres, they were able to overcome it because San Diego's bullpen blows. But with with Milwaukee, like you can say what you want about the offense and, you know, they have a couple decent starting pitchers, but there's some issues with that Brewers team. But if they get a lead, they're pretty good at protecting it. You saw they had a lot of intriguing high upside arms in that bullpen. And the Phillies weren't able to overcome those deficits they, they built for themselves. And I just go and I go, like, you scored seven runs across three games this week. And, like, nothing ever seems to carry over for this team. Like, there's no such thing as momentum. You think after the weekend they had against the Padres, and we talked on Monday about Bryce Harper tying the game in the 10th inning and Schwarber having the big weekend and the main guys being the main contributors, and maybe this is going to really help kind of set them off. And, like, it just doesn't materialize. And, like... If you're if you're thinking about really making a run once you get to October, like can you trust this offense to to march through the the 15 wins it's going to take to do it, or, or I'm sorry, the 13 wins I guess it'll take to do it? Uh, yeah, it's a great question, Bob. It, it's a great question. Can they? Sure. This offense we've seen what this offense can do when it's when it's right. Um, but can they can they do it for three weeks? I guess is the question, right? Like, can they do it for three weeks? I think you have to look at it and say, can you do it series by series? In all honesty, and, and, and it's—I mean, not to say that you're you're wrong in asking, can they do it for three weeks? Because it, it, you have to do it for three weeks in order to in order to get to what you know the end the end goal, right? Um, but at the same time, you the matchup will help you dictate just how much they have to do it, right? So, for example, you know, you you go into that first round series. And let's say you're playing, I'm just going to spitball here. Let's just say you're playing the Diamondbacks, okay, just for, for kicks. It may not be them, but just for kicks. Well, Diamondbacks have Zach Gallen. Maybe you say Merrill Kelly's okay, and then no other pitching. So you look right. at that offense and say, well, they should probably be okay in that series. Um, they should probably hit in that series. Then if you match up with the Brewers, what you just saw, and all of a sudden you're facing down this, you know, really good pitching staff with a solid, really solid bullpen as well. And even though the Brewers don't hit, well, if you don't even get a run, you ain't going to win a game, right? I mean, Corbin right. Burns not. So in that series, you say, well, maybe they can't do it right against that team. So it's, it's it really kind of I think you got to look at it series by series and say, hey, can you do it for two games, three games? OK, great. Now, can you do it for five? Okay, great. Now can you do it for seven? I think it's got to be that kind of progression with this team. Um, but I also kind of – you you heard Dombrowski a lot. He he did the media tour the last few days. Um, he's not being shy. They're going to go after a right-handed power bat. Uh, and who that power bat might be is – is we'll see. Um you know, we, we don't spend a lot of time. Like, I don't know that we've ever said the, the, the name Otani on this show. Yeah. And I don't – I don't think we need to like here you go there's been so much fucking hot air just wasted talking about Shohei Otani in the Phillies over the past three weeks and like I get it if I had to fill up three hours of a show every day like I'd probably throw his name out there too and see how people felt and to a lesser degree Juan Soto as you noted on on uh, Monday the Padres probably are not going to be in a position in which they sell and 
they go out and they have a pretty decent series against Toronto this week. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that there's some, some room for regression. Some of these wildcard contenders, that the Padres probably still have some life left. So is Soto even a thing worth talking about? In my opinion, no. no. And that's why we haven't really talked about him. But I will tell you if, if the, Cardinals are serious about selling, and I know that they had a nice week against the Marlins, but all indications are it does not matter. Like they, They've actually went out today and made a couple transactions just to get some guys that can eat innings over the last two and a half months. Like They are clearly out. I, I if, if we're going to just throw out like silly names and stuff, like give me Paul Goldschmidt. Like That's the name that I want. Like I want a guy that can play first base, and we'll get to why in a moment, but I want a first baseman. I want him to be right-handed. I want him to be able to hit for power. And by the way, I don't want a rental. I want a guy whose contract will expire after 2024, which coincides with the window that this group of veterans currently has to operate with. Like, that's that's the guy I want to get. Like, throw out names and dream and hope. Like, I don't know if the Cardinals have any interest in trading him, but if we're going to just do this and keep throwing out these names, like that's a guy I actually think is worth having a conversation about. I mean, sure. I mean, if look, if if that's the case, if, if all of a sudden, you know, um, John Moselech comes comes out and changes his mind and goes from, you know, we, we just think we, we think we can be fine next year. That's why we're going to hang on to Goldschmidt. That's why we're going to hang on to Arenado. Um, and then all of a sudden changes his mind and says, all right, yeah, yeah, we're, we, we'll move these guys. I think there's a deal that can change his mind. Then let's then yeah, then I'm in. But I'm not convinced that he's going to do that. Right. I'm not. I think that he go I think you give it another I mean, think look at the Cardinals and think about what the Cardinals are, right? They have a pretty good offense and they have no pitching. They do. Okay? They do. So they have no so they they need pitching. So maybe you look at it and say, look, we have we have Goldschmidt signed next year. Let's see if we can fix this pitching staff in the, in the off season. And take another run at it because we're not we're, the division that we're in is not great. I mean, blows. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It and it's not, it's, I mean, look. I mean, yeah. The Reds are the Reds are young and coming, so maybe they're going to yeah. get there. But you know, who knows? Uh, but, Talk about a team that could use some pitching. Though. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying like so. Maybe you look at it and say, okay, we can be better. But by next year, if for some reason at this time next year the Cardinals are still where they're at, then Paul Goldschmidt becomes available. Yeah. I just don't see it this year. I don't think it happens. I could be wrong, and you're right. You, if you make an offer that they can't refuse, maybe it happens. But I, I, I think we would have. I, th- you know, usually around this time, you know, the guys who break trades in Major League Baseball usually have the names out there that are starting to come up. And and the fact is, is that even though it was discussed a month, month and a half ago, you really haven't heard Goldschmidt's name since Moselech had that had that media availability. And I think that that's, that's the issue. Alec Boehm, uh, Mick Abel, and uh, I don't know, one of the top 10 outfield prospects that you currently house, one, two, three, and maybe throw in a lower level guy. Would you do that? Would you do that deal? No, because now you have a whole third base. Who's your third baseman now? I mean, if you you know if you're telling me it's for Arenado, then I say okay, fine. But not not for Goldschmidt because then you have another you've you've okay you've added a power back, but you've now created a giant hole at a position right. that you need. I mean, defense is bad enough as it is over there. Sosa can't play third base anymore. He's a shortstop. He can't play third. 
Like, I, no, I don't do that trade. I don't. I mean, and I understand why you're suggesting it. Why you say Boehm has to be would have to be part of something like that. I get it. But no, I wouldn't do it. All right. Well, we'll toy around with some of the uh, let, trade let, deadline let me, implications. Let me let me so, throw a ahead. name. I just want to throw another name at you. And this is a name. And I'll be honest. This is one that was given to me by Anthony Jr. tonight. And I was like, at first, I thought that's ridiculous. Okay. And then I thought about it again and said, eh, maybe he's not. Maybe he's onto something. And I don't know if he. You know, he doesn't. He's not like he's plugged in anywhere. But you know, he's just an idea. So the Yankees stink right now. They sure do. <laughs> right. They are- they stink. They're, They're last yeah. place, um, even though they're technically only a couple games out in this race, right? In the wild card race, in American League. But the reality is, their offense sucks uh, without Aaron Judge, and isn't much better with Aaron Judge. I mean, obviously, he makes them a lot better. But um, can, can I just tell you, I'm really excited by about whatever you're going to propose to me here. But like, just please don't let it be Josh Donaldson. Is it going to be Josh Donaldson? It's okay. not. All right, good. It's okay, not. Uh, and this one might might. This one might actually not excite you either because of he's having a, such a terrible year, but it fits what they're looking for. Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, you know what? That's that's fun. That's fun. Is that a fun game? Yeah. I mean, I, here here you go. I, I'm just gonna say this. This is. I feel this in my in my bones, and I've I've alluded to this. I probably even said it to some degree on Monday. Yeah. I think this team is going to do something that makes you go, whoa, didn't see that coming. I I don't know what it is. I I wish I could sit here and pretend that I was super plugged in and that like I could insinuate because I know a little bit and, and give you a little, little taste. I have no clue. I just don't think that the Phillies believe, like I know that Dave Dombrowski is a smart guy and I know that he wants to win a championship. And I know that Dave Dombrowski knows that they can't just add a fist starter and a little bullpen piece and, and maybe like a guy that gives you a little versatility. It's not enough. Yeah. Dave Dombrowski knows that this team needs another difference maker. That somebody that whether or not his numbers are good this year or not, Dave Dombrowski, I think knows that they need somebody that can move the needle and one of the criticisms that I have about this team, and we can parse it, we can go through, and we can talk about every little thing, but at the end of the day, I think they have it. I think they have enough. I think that they, they can win, but I do think that this team's a little bit stale and a little bit stagnant at times, and I feel like they need a little bit of a jolt, and I feel like that they need to go out and bring in somebody that that changes the feel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything inherently wrong, not that their DNA is bad, but that they just need a difference maker. And I don't know where it comes from. Pitcher, infield, outfield. Like I just think they need something that makes people go, whoa. And if they do that, I think you can start to talk about this National League and say, like, okay, yeah, the Braves are really good, but there's a way that we can plow through them again. But if they just kind of tinker on the edges of the roster, I just don't think it's enough to win a championship. And that's what this is all about. It's about winning a championship. So Giancarlo Stanton, yeah, like not a great year. Like I'm not like, ooh, like I got to have him, but it's intriguing and like I can get behind the premise of it. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, maybe he's a guy. I mean, he always when he was again, this was years ago when he was in the National League, but he was always a guy who hit well at Citizens Bank Park, right? I mean, he, right. he profiles uh, exactly for the kind of guy that you want there. Um, 
I don't know. It just kind of, kind of like at first I was like, "Ah, hey, Anthony, you're out of your mind." But then I was like, eh, "Maybe, maybe I could see that." I mean, it's a big, big, a lot of money, right? The Yankees would probably have to, you know, take some money, you know, do, you know, send the Phillies some money with that. Like I'd have, the Yankees but, are never going to tear down, but I, I think that if if you've been observing the Yankees now for the last two months, and granted, their best players out of the lineup, but you know what? Like other teams lose important players and they function. That is not a championship team. Like, there's yeah. nothing about the Yankees that says like we're going to even pretend that we can win a championship this year. And if that's the case, why not? Why not peel back a little bit? Yeah, and at least explore some well, of these conversations. Now, I don't know what I'm willing to give up. Not only, you know, not like, only that, not only that. Just one last thing from the Yankees' right. perspective: if you really think that in the off season you got a shot at Shohei Otani, wouldn't it make yeah. sense to get rid of some money now? Sure. Just saying. Yeah, no, I'm, I I hear you. And so here's the other part of the conversation. Like, we're focusing on offense. And that's where I think the Phillies are going to make some type of splash. Like yeah. you said, Dave Dombrowski is not hidden the fact that he knows they need some right-handed help. Maybe somebody with some power. Like, I think we all agree that that's a clear need. And I think that's part of the reason that, the, I mean, not part of, but the primary reason that the Phillies' offense is so infuriating and so inconsistent is it because it comes down to the fact that they're still bottom half of the league in home runs per game. I mean, they just they don't hit enough home runs to consistently throw up five, six runs per night. There's just not enough juice in this lineup, which is crazy to say, given that you think about the names and what they have and how they're supposed to stack. But on the other hand, Matt Gell, the athletic, uh, obviously plugged in, um, I believe in one of his pieces this week, kind of, you know, said, hey, the Phillies are still looking at, at back end of the rotation help. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, if there's something that I could be less excited about, it's the Phillies' pursuit of a stopgap fifth starter that is Noah Syndergaard, but not Noah Syndergaard, insert name here. Well, like, I just, I, I, I don't care. Yeah, and, and, like, I, I, and you're right, but I will say this, and, and this is, you know, I know you, you mentioned Gel, but... Um, Dombrowski, part of his media tour, he went on the um, the show podcast for New York Post with uh, Joel Sherman yeah. and um, and John Heyman, and he Scott, he Scott said Boris it. Is, he said it. He said we're going after. He said we we need starting pitching depth for the playoffs. He says it's just because he says like we have got guys in the minors, like you know. And he mentioned Nick Nelson, and he mentioned Falter's been pitching better, and he mentioned the kids like Abel and McGarry. He said, but he says you know. I, we'd like to have something else there in in case we need it. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to go get a guy, and it's going to yeah, be that I'm level. Not, and I'm not telling you that that's stupid or that he shouldn't. I'm just telling you that it, it kind of goes against my thing here, which is difference makers, impact. Like, And not that these guys can't have impact, but like, let's look at Christopher Sanchez. And you talk about what he did on, on Wednesday night. He goes five innings. He gives up three runs, and and – he was not great. He pitched behind in counts a lot, but he, he limited. He didn't walk anybody. Like he's, you know, yeah, one walk, wasn't yeah. like he out three passes left and right. If if Edmundo Sosa makes a play, he probably allows one earned run. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at what he's done all season. I don't believe he's allowed more than three earned runs in any of his starts. His whip is zero point nine seven since he's come right, back. So he- we can agree that he's been pretty good, and he's been especially pretty good for, for a fifth starter type. Now, are we one blow-up start away from us being like, I don't know if this guy can do it, you know, and, and the wild card's competitive and they need an, a more veteran piece that you can count on? I'm sure. Like, two starts away from that. So, yeah, go out and get another depth piece. But 
the one thing I will say is that today, because he only goes five innings on Wednesday night, here we are. It's three nothing. Phillies aren't going to score. Cor- Corbin Burns probably could have thrown fourteen innings today, and I'm not sure the Phillies would have put one on the board against them. But you have a situation where uh, Vasquez comes into the game, and there's two outs. And, and Contreras comes up, it's 3 nothing, and you know that one run in this game is basically like five more runs. So the difference between 3 nothing and 4 nothing is, is huge. It effectively ends the game the, the way that the Phillies' offense was going. And Vasquez stays in, and he gets Contreras. And Contreras has an OPS over 1,000 against left-handed pitching this season, and boom, base hit. And Rob Thompson, like, I get it. He goes, we're down 3 nothing. We're not swinging the bats. Bullpen was used uh, to, to a pretty high degree the previous uh, couple games. Like, here's an opportunity, us, opportunity for us to, to not really go for broke in a game we're probably not going to win. But, like, that's, that's what happens when you have guys that only go five innings and you're asking to get more and more out of your bullpen every game. Like, then you're faced with these decisions that, that people like me have to pick apart the following day. And, like, I do wonder, like, if if you go out and get somebody that you can kind of count on and say, like, there's a reasonable chance he gives us six, gives us a little bit more length. Like, is that unreasonable or, or is Christopher Sanchez enough here? Like, I get the idea of wanting to add more depth, but there is part of me. It's like you only – you have a limited amount of resources which you can send out here at the deadline. Like, make it count and maximize the return. And, like, I just don't know if – Christopher Sanchez like production with a little bit more experience is really worth it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the answer to your question, and it's a good question, um, is really kind of dependent on the other four guys, right? I mean, if if the other four guys are going to consistently give you six, seven innings or more, then yeah, five innings out of Christopher Sanchez is absolutely enough, absolutely enough. But if those guys are going to you know start to not have those starts with regularity and you're turning to the bullpen early again and you have to do it on you know multiple nights in a row and and you burn your bullpen a little bit then no then christopher sanchez is not good enough is not good enough in this case well you know that i have on my screen i have a little list and we kind of go down and it's like um pardon the interruption but nobody can see it it's just on the right side (laughs) of my screen and so you lead me into my next thing which is the rotation question mark because we've seen this rotation be brutal we've seen this rotation be top three in baseball for six weeks yeah and now we're seeing the rotation kind of come back to earth a little bit at least you know it's not unreasonable not that they haven't been they've been okay i guess whatever but like you look at what ranger suarez is giving you and all of a sudden he's more of like a six and three guy tywan walker today Tywan Walker was was fine. He gets you into the seventh inning. He made one mistake, and it was a bad one. It was a bad pitch to Christian Yelich. Uh-huh. But, you know, a three-run homer shouldn't be a death sentence in a six-inning start. But, like, there is there has been some regression here. Like, Tywan Walker is not June Tywan Walker. Uh, Ranger Suarez has not been June Ranger Suarez. Uh, you know, Wheeler I thought was pretty good on Sunday. Nola I thought was pretty good on Tuesday night. Not great, but pretty good. Like. Where are we at with the rotation here? Like, do you feel really good about those four guys at this point? Or has there been anything that's happened here the last couple of weeks that makes you say, like, they're fine, but, yeah, maybe they're not quite as good as they were when we were all going crazy about how, wow, one, two, three, four, this might be the best rotation in baseball. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, there was always going to be regression from what they where they were in June. Um, you couldn't expect that to be sustained the entire time. Um, 
but you also don't expect them to completely fall off the table either. So where they are right now is probably more in line with what you expect. I mean, you expect Wheeler and Noel to be the better of the four um, and, and Ranger kind of be that third guy. And then Walker, hey, if he gives you you know anything close to what he gave you know gave you in June awesome if not what he gave you today was probably okay right but you know that that's all incumbent upon your your offense hitting so therefore you know if they're if they're on the level that they're at look again Wheeler and Nola have to be better than they've been all year um and Suarez can be Suarez and Walker can be Walker and if that's the case I think we're okay but if those top two guys aren't those top aren't what they should be, then you need Suarez and Walker to be better than they probably are. And if they aren't getting to, getting to that point, then yeah, I'm then I'm a little bit more concerned with the with the rotation. I, I don't think they're going to go big, Bob. I just don't think that they're going. I think that they're going to ride with what they have and just add some depth. But I understand why you would why you would rather have something that's a little bit more meat on the bones than just, you know, a fifth starter who can come in here and, and uh, provide the depth so that in case there's an injury, you're not, you're not scrambling. All right. Well, really the next thing I think we have to get to, and I can't believe we waited this long is that uh, Dylan Covey today, two, two uh, scoreless innings, that's five <laughs> of his last six appearances. Did, did major league baseball let Dylan Covey get hot? <laughs> you mean that's the next topic and not Bryce Harper? No, we haven't even gotten to Bryce Harper. I'm kidding, no. We do not need to talk and about is, Dylan is, Covey. is Dylan, Dylan Covey's on your uh, PTI list no, there on the side of the he's screen? He's not. No, no. That's uh, <laughs> no, that's just me having another beer. So <laughs> I, I, we got to talk about Bryce Harper. Um, so I, I read your piece, obviously, the other day, yeah. which provided a, a detailed outline as to why this first base thing is – is something that nobody needs to overreact to. If you just kind of think through it logically, uh, there's a lot of sense in that. And you and I had had a conversation about it. You know, I pointed out to you, I was like, hey, listen, like, you know, the, the lefty gets scratched in the middle of this series. It looked like it was probably going to be Wednesday night. Like, that's part of the reason why he probably didn't play Wednesday night. I got to tell you, like, I don't know what you got down at the at the park on, on Tuesday, Wednesday. I was down there today. There's something weird going on with Bryce Harper right now. I don't know what it is. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat. Like I'm not like, I don't want to dive into some conspiracy theory here, but I, I got a weird feeling about what's going on. And the, the, the joke that we've kind of thrown back and forth to one another is assistant general manager, Bryce Harper. Yeah. If Bryce Harper wanted to, like, let me just cut to the chase here. If Bryce Harper wanted to play first base this week, Bryce Harper would have played first base this week. Mm -hmm. Bryce Harper didn't play first base this week. So that being said, I don't know what the hell happened against Hobie Milner on, on Wednesday night. And I'll let you go because you were down there and I'm sure you have something more on this. I, I wish well, I did because he didn't talk. That felt to me like, a, yeah, maybe I'm not picking up the ball, but there, I'm telling you, man, there was something more to it. There was something more about that at bat. I don't know if he was angry at someone, was trying to send a message to somebody, but that was not just like, I, I'm having a hard time picking up the spin against the tough lefty. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It runs totally opposite to what we know about Bryce Harper as a player. And even if you looked at him in the ninth inning when he came up and he got the base hit, there was a ball, I think, out in center field. It caused the game to stop for a moment. He looked like 
he was he was like beside himself. Like he, he you could see on his face he was like fucking like he was upset even in that at bat. The hundred and one degree fever, but then he played through it and then he's back in the lineup the next day. He still hasn't played first base. Something's up here, man. Well, I mean, I, I look, I do I I think that there's a possibility that there's you know, a, a, a lot of it's like a perfect storm, right? A lot of things that are happening all at once and maybe they are preventing him from doing what he wants to do and that's frustrating him right and he's never a guy who hides his frustrations well he's always been this way even when he was young and everybody thought that he was you know a bit of a brat right and and that was kind of you know a, a, a thing that followed Bryce Harper around and now you know that he's older we're seeing it he's getting he's becoming like he's becoming like me he's becoming like a crusty old man all of a sudden right um <laughs> but but I mean, so like I, I look at it and I don't make a big deal out of it. I think that these things happen, you know, and yeah, he he wears it on his sleeve a little bit. And the at bat is the only one that I thought was odd. Um, not so much that what happened happened as far as he didn't swing at six pitches. Um, but the fact that he went up there without making it look like he was trying, even if he yeah. didn't plan on swinging at any of those pitches. Right. Like, that's the thing that 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 I get concerned with. It's like, all right, man, I get it. Like, you can't you know, you have a hard time seeing him pitch because he's funky. You have a hard time picking up that ball and you know that he's he's more around the strike zone and not really in the strike zone. If you give a presentation of you're looking to swing, but then you just don't. He probably walks him in that spot. And nobody ever says a word about it. Right. But the fact that you just stood there looking like you didn't have a care, like you didn't care to be there. Um, that allows Milner to kind of be like, oh, all right, I'll just put it over the plate and see what happens, right? <laughs> I mean, that's and that's really what sets that up. So I think that that's that's the one that make that I go, hmm, what the hell was going on there? But then again, I you know you find out that he's got a hundred and one fever and he's playing through it, and like that probably annoyed the shit out of him too. And so yeah no and and like you said the next at bat he comes up and he does get the hit yeah yeah sure and he's fired up and he looks like bryce harper yeah I, I'm just, it's weird it's just weird i don't i don't know but I, i'm just gonna i'm gonna kind of reiterate what i said before if bryce harper wanted to play first base this week he would have played first base and i don't and i was actually i dug around on this a little bit uh, i talked to two different people and they both kind of came back to the same conclusion and they're like listen i don't know I don't know what exactly is going on here, but if, if dude, I mean, it was basically said by two different people and it was the same conclusion. If don't let the Phillies tell you that the, the lack of field work is why he's not playing at first this week, because if he wanted to get that work in, they could get that work in. Right. Like, that was kind of like a deflection as to whatever the real issue is, whether he he doesn't feel comfortable, whether the Phillies were waiting to let something else play out, whether there's some consideration about, like, do we really want to go down this road? Like, whatever's going on, like, don't like there was an opportunity to get a bucket of balls and go out and get his work in and keep him on pace to do what they said he was going to do when Rob was asked about it before the all-star yeah and and you might be right and and that's if that's the case then that's you know that's a that's a concern look he did say remember on saturday um in the double header um game one of the double header when johan rojas makes that catch in his you know the first inning the second batter 
you know, we asked Harper about it after game, afterwards, and he said, you know, I wasn't even on the bench. I was in the back getting treatment. Right. Well, you're still getting treatment as the game's on, like, right. and you're going to bat in a couple minutes? Like, what's that about? So, I mean, yeah, you certainly could be could be right. But, look, if if he goes out tomorrow and plays first base in Cleveland, is there a big deal? Like, I mean, it, no, where, where are we no, then at that I point? Mean, like, does this all go are, away? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess it does, but, I mean, it is worth considering here now, too. You have less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. You know the Phillies aren't going to play him at first base on back-to-back days because there's nothing that the Philadelphia Phillies have ever done under this current, you know, management group that is would would ever suggest that they're going to put their foot on the gas and say, Bryce, you got to play the next 10 days so we can figure out whether or not you can truly do this. So he's going to play, what, a day? Then go DH, maybe he's down a day. Yeah, how many how many games is he going to play at first base before the trade deadline at this point? Five? Yeah, probably right. Four? Five. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, is, yeah. And I, may, maybe the answer to this is yes, but man, like you better be pretty damn confident in his ability to play first base after four or five games if you're going to say, yeah, we're, we're going to totally go about our trade deadline strategy under the assumption that Bryce Harper is going to stick at first base for the next two and a half months beyond this. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I would have liked to, in theory, have seen a little bit more. I, maybe maybe all I need to see is four games. Maybe he's good enough where I just say, all right, well, this is clearly not a concern. But when you look at the need to bring in another bat, the uncertainty about Kyle Schwerber out in left field, what is Bryce Harper going to do the remainder of the year? You know, I'd like to see, I'd like to have a little bit more of a sample size here. So when I, when you look at it in totality and you say, it's weird that they, they said that maybe even before the All-Star break, he'd play first. Then it gets pushed back to this this Padres series. Then it gets pushed back to the uh, Brewer series. He didn't do it. That at bat last night, you just talked about him being in treatment at one point. Like, there's a lot of like weird things going on with Bryce Harper right now when everything we've known about him since he's been here is like when he sets his mind to something – he gets hellbent on it and he just does it. Like I'm su- I'm surprised he has not played first base yet and and that makes me question what's going on. Uh, yeah, look, it's fair. It's a fair it's a fair question. Um I, that the, I still tend to think that he's going to play and he's going to play this weekend and then this all goes away. Um I I don't think that this is a desperate situation where they're like, oh, my God, we don't have a first baseman now because Bryce, something's wrong with Bryce playing there. we got to figure something else out. Like, I, I don't get that. And I, I, I also don't think that they would wait until the last minute if they weren't confident in what they're going to do, right? I mean, it's not like they're going to sit there and go, okay, let's we got 11 days. We got, oh, man, we got to figure this out in the next 11 days. Like, they know what they're going to do. They, they already know. They're just kind of waiting for the, the right minute to to make you know the moves, and a lot of times that has to do with the other team deciding that okay, we're we're finally ready to trade our players. But um, I, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not there, Bob. I'm not I'm not worried about it. If if they think Bryce Harper can play first base, he's going to play first base, and they know just from watching him practice. I mean, they always say, well, you can't simulate a game, and you're right, you can't. But you could sure as hell hit uh, hit ground balls like really, really hard at a guy and know, okay, he's fine. And I certainly don't think this is about throwing the ball because I watch him throw. 
Like you're down there and you watch him taking fielding practice and you're watching him throw the ball. I don't think this is about health. I don't think this is about his elbow at, at all. Least, at all. I mean, maybe there's something else in play, but I don't think this is about the elbow. I, I don't think the Phillies would even entertain this. Like the, the messaging. One thing that I will say, in addition to Harper, if he wanted to play, would would be out there. It still kind of seems to me like the messaging from the Phillies is like, yeah, like we we want him to do this. Like we expect him to do this. We're hoping he does. Well, did this. you hear did you hear Rob Thompson on 90 uh, on WIP when he was on with the morning show? He, he did. He, where he mentioned he was worried about it in health, but not it's more about the rest of his body. The rest of the, the rest of his body, yeah, and and I think that that the, what what I kind of put that to, and I you know it, I don't think that there's another issue because look, he runs hard, so I don't think it's anything lower body. I mean, you see him running hard, whatever. So I don't think that there's anything really there. Um, I you know a couple times you see him kind of like when he swings, maybe he swings too hard, maybe you think he got some kind of like core muscle thing, or maybe some kind of you know you know just like a something in the rib cage or something right maybe whatever but i mean that's you're speculating wildly at that point what i think it is is the fact that the guy has not played in the field for a year and a half and and you don't want to put a guy in a situation where now all of a sudden he's got to play in the field all the time again and and his body's not used to it and i think it's more that if you're looking for something physical i think it's more that and how that can wear him down and affect him in other ways that you need him to be good. And so maybe that's, maybe that's the pump that breaks with Bryce Harper. I don't know that to me is that that's the only thing I could think of from a health perspective. Yeah, I I hear you. And, and hopefully we get some clarity on this this weekend. If, if we don't, if, if you and I are talking on Monday morning and saying, wow, this is still weird. Then I think, you know, at that point, something, something is up. If, if this remains ambiguous, if there remains, if it remains uncertain, we don't really understand what's happening. They're not really committing to anything, but, but yeah, I mean, maybe there is a scenario where he goes out and does it this weekend and and we can all move forward and we feel good about it. I mean, who knows? Here's a transition. Uh, one guy that won't be playing first base for the Phillies this weekend is Derek Hall. And, you know, I, I feel bad because Derek Hall comes up last year uh, for Bryce Harper, you know, essentially, and, and he does a good job. He gives the Phillies some power from the left side of the plate. And you kind of hope that maybe you knew that he wasn't going to be an everyday guy, but maybe he'd be a usable part. You match him up. He's a bench player that can give you some pop. A useful major league player. And not a huge sample size this season. He gets hurt early, but I mean, 167, a 437 OPS. He was an automatic out uh, when, when he came back up here uh, over the past couple of weeks and bad defense, bad at bats, tons of strikeouts, didn't hit a lot of balls hard. I was very, very disappointed with Derek Hall. And I know that you and I had talked about him previously and said like, he's probably not long for this team. He's not really a fit for what they have going on here moving forward. Like any other thoughts though about about how things played out with Derek Hall? Because I, I wouldn't say that I had great expectations here, but my God, like he was he was brutal, and like I don't want to pick on the guy because he's a good dude, and you know hopefully he figures it out, and whether it's here or somewhere else, which I'm starting to think it might be somewhere else. Uh, but but man, like he, he just a, a total zero at this point. Yeah. Um... I mean, look, it's, it, you, you never want to see this happen to any player, especially a, a guy who's trying to make his way into the big leagues, right? Um, and, and not only that, he's 
just like one of the nicest guys in the world and, and you yeah, know, good dude. he'll talk to you forever right i mean so like sure. so like you root for people like that you want to see them do well um but i'll take you back bob and if we go back to the uh, episodes we were recording when i was down in clearwater back in march it it was pretty obvious to me that he was not in the mix before reese hoskins got hurt Right. And he was going to be sent down. He was not going to be on the team. He just was, even with Harper not back yet. Like right. he was not going to be the DH. That was just it. I mean, they were going to carry Cave as the left fielder, and Schwarber was going to DH, and that was going to be what it was going to be. And then Hoskins gets hurt, and that throws everything into into disarray. And then you know Hall makes the team because they need a first baseman. Then he hurts himself, and even when he was close to coming back. You know, you know, you'd have those availabilities with Rob Thompson before the game, and you would ask about him, and he'd say, "Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, you know, he's going to have his rehab assignment, but he's going to have to hit. He's going to have to hit to get it back up here. He's going to have to hit." And so, like, they he hit a little bit in my, in the minors, and they bring him up, and he was like you said, he was terrible when he got here. I don't think he was ever really part of the long-term plan. No, I think if if Derek Hall, like what I expected to have happen was that Derek Hall would hit 230, run into five home runs while he was up here, three, three, four, five home runs, and then be sent down and people go, whoa, 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 that's long ball Hall. You can't send down Derek Hall. Where like he would at least make it a little bit weird. Like I thought that he would make the transaction weird. And he didn't. He made the transaction necessary um yeah i I, i'm surprised by it right i I really thought like there would be the strikeouts the defense would be whatever but i thought he'd run into a couple while he was up here and the bats were just you know like again like i i want to choose my words carefully here but like feeble you know the the bats were feeble so now what happens he he's out so you said harrison comes back like Walk us through this. Like, you know, one thing that I just don't have the capacity for these days is is the the transaction log. So, like, what does this look like uh, this week? I don't know. And that's the thing, Bob. Like, and I brought it up at the beginning, and we could dive into it a little bit more now. You know, Harrison, I mean, they did say, Thompson did say that, you know, Harrison was coming back tomorrow. Okay, fine. But if you're taking Hall out, and I thought it was interesting. Like, why did they announce Derek Hall was sent down right after the game they didn't you know so so it's weird even well like it's, it's on, yeah, but it's on the transaction sheet it's on the transaction log right, right which like the phillies didn't come out and do their whole like you know hey we are making i know they move. didn't they didn't send it to us in the in the phil's media tweet either like that that private twitter account that you know the, the the writers have access to yeah and then all 237 writers all tweet the same transaction <laughs> yeah. but i mean it didn't even come through there Breaking. which is why i no, yeah 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 no someone caught the transaction log and, and and threw it out there it was funny after the game uh uh rob parent i think was like asked rob like hey you know Derek hall he goes, yeah, a little too much swing and miss right now. And he says, like, do you think you might sit him down for a day or, or something yeah. along those lines? And Thompson was like, yeah, like may, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. And then 40 minutes later, he's in Lehigh Valley. Yeah, but but so it's weird that that – I just think that the way the transaction went down is, is kind of weird because normally you send a guy down and, and they announce it. 
And I know that they want to wait till probably till tomorrow because that's when that that you, you can't say that Harrison's coming back today because he's not a, he's not allowed to come back till tomorrow because of the, the IL, right? All right, fine. And so that's probably just the transaction gets announced tomorrow, but then it's out there already. So why like I like, it's just weird. And I don't and it's and secondarily, I mean, who else can play first base right now besides Alec Bohm? Unless Bryce Harper's playing first base tomorrow. Right. Or or there's another move to come. Cody Clemens was not in the lineup for Lehigh Valley tonight. Did they say don't use him? We're gonna call up Clemens because we know he can be here and play the position and that's all well and good. Or they played Jake Cave at first base tonight in Lehigh Valley. Is that a thing so where they're thinking about, okay, maybe we'll call up Cave. Let's see how he looks in the game down there. So is like Drew Ellis on this team in a week? Well, that's, like, the, that's the question, Bob. Like, I, right. I, it's like, you would have thought that he was the guy that would have gone out with Harrison coming back. Again, right-hander, right? You know, um, and I almost forgot about him. I guess, yeah, he could play first base too. But you're not playing him and Bohm, I think, at the same time. But, you know, yeah. right-handed bat. He came up when Harrison went down, so it kind of makes sense that that's what, what the switch is. Yeah, I, I really don't know where anything is at this point with this team. I think they're trying a lot of different things. I will say this. That apparently, Jake Cave has been taking ground balls at first base for a while now. Um, so this is not – this is even though this is his first game, this is something that they've been talking about as a possibility. So the fact that he got into a game tells you that he probably isn't terrible in practice at it right so it's probably something they go okay let's check it out and see the the defensive standard at first base for this organization is not exactly uh (laughs) i'm not talking about like fred mcgriff here you know what i mean like yeah rico brunia yeah (laughs) travis lee Travis, Travis Lee. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh i mean yeah I, I guess i mean we'll see i just I feel like that they have to get the bottom of this roster figured out. And like, it's not what's ultimately going to determine whether or not they make the playoffs. I don't think, I don't think the margin for error is that small, but there are, there've been points here recently where I look at the bottom of the roster, the edges of the roster. And I say, I think that there's three guys right now up here in Philadelphia that you could swap out with players at Lehigh Valley. And like, it would be an upgrade. Yeah. So, and, and I'm really curious to see, like, I know that, that Josh Harrison showed signs of life before the all-star break, but again, like, are, are we on the DD Gregorius plan with him? Like we get post trade trade deadline. Is, is he here or is, is he going to stick this out? Because like, I just don't feel like he's shown enough. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's about the, the stars in this lineup, the, the dudes in this lineup being productive. It's about Nola and Wheeler being productive. But, man, like, there, there's just so little margin for error, I feel like, sometimes with this team because those guys haven't been what we expect them to be. Like, you need these fringe pieces to click and be optimized, and I don't think they're optimized right now. I, I don't either. Um, I got one other one for you. little things you're going to question does this mean something does this mean something justin crawford tonight i don't know if did you see this Uh, i did not had his first at bat and first inning of the game um had a broken bat ground ball hustled down the line didn't seem to have an injury of any kind and then was pulled from the game after one at bat in the first inning uh at single a 
Well, I mean, you want to talk about you say, you know, trading tinfoil hat. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, right? I mean, throwing all these things out there, and you know, and the guy that keeps continues to get overlooked is Scott Kingery. He had three more hits tonight. Really high value. Cave also, there, Cave also had two hits. Part of me that's like, keep Scott Kingery away from this team. Like, he he's not it. Like, yeah. he. That's Clentac. Like, uh, saw Matt Clentac. I know. Today, Did by you the see way. him? He was there all weekend. Brushed shoulders with him. I had to apologize. I came, I came off the elevator hot, and Clentac was right there, and I kind of got him a little bit, and was like, "Oh, my bad. Sorry." Uh, he, he's grown out his hair. There's a little bit of a flow in the back now. From what, uh, from what I understand, even though he works for the Brewers, he still lives here. Lives in the area. Yeah. 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 Um. I actually have a Matt Clintac take. He uh, he had to go. He he needed to go, but uh, it wasn't really all his fault. Like it's it's like it's really Andy McPhail's fault. Yeah. Like Matt Clintac's probably going to get another crack at like a high level executive job at some point, and it probably won't be that far in the future. I, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, whatever. I I don't want to digress here no. too much, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, like, I think um, Crawford, like, may- maybe, like, maybe there's something to that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, certainly not to bring him up here. We know that. But I, it, this time of year, like, I, I'm rooting for it. I want chaos. I want chaos this year. Like, I don't want to trade Andrew Painter. We don't need – do we have to talk about Andrew Painter on the show? Is there anything to say here? No, like, he says he's, gonna, he's not going to pitch until 2025. Hopefully, the do the right thing. hopefully we'll the still, hopefully we'll right still be talking about this team and at that time, and we can talk about it then. Should they have cut his elbow open back in back in March? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, really, I mean, let's imagine they did, right? Let's say that they did. They chose to do that right away. Where is he at in his rehab at this point? You know, and where, yeah. when, what, what's the target, right? If you're talking about a 20 year old kid coming back from, um, from Tommy John surgery, it's you know, it's 12 to 18 months. And everybody's different. I mean, so you, he could still have been. Maybe you sit there and say, "Oh, there's a chance that he's ready to pitch again." And you know, after the All Star break next year, maybe, maybe August, maybe September, he might have missed next year anyway. Anyway, right? So, I, just trying to see if they can get through it without having to go Tommy John for four months. I don't think that's that. I, I don't think it was a wrong. Like people choice. people act like Dave Dombrowski and the Philly Fanatic made the decision to, to not. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like people are like, well, they should have just, they should have just did it. And like, it's not just fans that, that want to see the kid pitch. Like there are people, prominent voices in this city I know. that like want to hold the Phillies feet to the fire, like over everything, uh, like everything. Yeah. And I'm critical of the Phillies. I mean, Christ, we've been doing this, this show. What was our first season of the show? 2018. Yeah, this is our fifth year, believe it or not. Like Everyone knows Everyone knows, like I'm, I'm ready to rip the Phillies when necessary. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll tear them to shreds. But I just feel like lately, like there's this thing, like they should, they should have operated on Painter back in March. <laughs> they should have never traded Mickey Moniak. Uh, what the fuck are we talking I about? Know, I know. Good for Mickey Moniak, man. Like I am not rooting against Mickey Moniak, but you are kidding yourself if you think that that was going to happen here. Not only not team. only that, if you're you're kidding oh yourself if you think this is gonna happen beyond this year. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
They he, still don't. I don't know what he's he's still, I don't. I know he had a couple hits or a hit last night or whatever. Like he was productive. I'm not. I'm, again, oh, like, I'm not Bob. trying to take anything away from him. He entered the day yesterday with 15 at bats against left-handers. Yes. And one hit. This is what he, I was just going to say. He had one hit and 15 at bats against left-handers. It's not that he can't hit left-handers. It's that the Angels know that he's so bad against left-handed pitching that they won't even fucking let him try to not hit left-handers. That's the they point. don't even give him the opportunity. I was going to say, you, you've said it better than I could, because I was going to point out that here's a guy with an OPS over 1,000, and his team won't even let him face a left-handed pitcher. Like, come on. Let's be honest. And, and you know what? He's a like, fourth outfielder at best. He is, but like – Good for him because you know what this year has done? It has it has sustained his career. Like he will have a job at the major league level now for the next handful of years. And maybe he beats the very modest expectations that I maintain for him. And maybe we'll look like idiots and you can take this clip and put us on freezing cold takes in, in two years. Great. Like I'm rooting for it. Even if he does all of that, I still have no issue with trading him when they traded him for what they got in return, I know Noah Syndergaard was not Noah Syndergaard of, of Mets lore of 2016 or 2015. I get it. But for what they needed, I thought Noah Syndergaard gave them the contribution that, that warranted that trade. Yeah. And if Mickey Moniak turns out to be a good player, okay, great. You won a pennant last year. Team probably wins 88 to 90 games this year. Like, it's okay. It's okay if Mickey Moniak turns out. All and right. not only that, Bob. Let's keep it. Let's also keep in mind they are everybody's you know, wants to panic about how bad of a trade it was, right? If Mike Trout doesn't get hurt, is Mickey Moniak playing? Right now? Probably not. Okay. No, but I mean, and you know what? Hey, you got an opportunity that nobody counted on. He's taking advantage of it. And like, kudos to him. I mean, eleven home runs, OPS hovering around a thousand. I don't care if he's only doing it exclusively against right-handed pitching. Like, that's great. Like. You're now a usable major league player. Even if you don't do it at that level moving forward, there's enough like, hey, you're a first-round pick, high first-round pick, first overall. It, he's going to stick around, and good for him. But th- back to the original points, it's this idea of like, well, the Phillies, they, they didn't have the foresight to keep Mickey Moniak. They didn't have the foresight to operate on Andrew Painter. Like, come on, man. Like seriously. Uh, well, the fans are out of control sometimes. I saw I saw the guy that's gonna perform the fucking surgery is the guy that recommended that he doesn't get, get the surgery. Exactly. exactly. Like, come on. Exactly. It's like I get it. It's frustrating. I want to see Andrew Painter pitch too. Uh, like, come on. I man. know, I know. It's so funny. I can still remember when that the day that the one day he pitched in spring training <laughs> that we we were like Synchronizing yeah. our tell, you know, we got your TV on. We're gonna watch Andrew. No, I said, no, no you remember? I was like, no, you're like he's pitching. I said, well, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have the MLB TV app, yep. and then you gave me your daughter's login, <laughs> <laughs> so I can watch it. What a glorious inning it was! <laughs> yeah, I know that was pretty funny. No, just enough of a taste to hold me over for two more years. That's right. That's right. We got to see that so. one spring training inning against the Twins. Uh, uh, by the way, just because we brought him up, and I, I didn't really expect to bring him up, but uh, would you entertain his name in a conversation, any type of trade? Con- I don't really know what the precedent is. I don't know off the top of your head. Like, has anybody ever traded a blue chip prospect that's two years out from being able to throw a baseball at a competitive level? Nah, like, is that's that- a great question, and I don't know the answer to it. Um, but if a team was interested in him, would I do it? You got to tell me who I'm getting. Sure. Because I'll tell you right now, he's still only going to be 22 years old when he de- debuts in 2025. He feels like 
I think he's Justin Verlander. Yeah. I, I do. I think that's a great, and that's a good comparison. Yeah. I just think he's a little bit like, there's like a maturity factor. I, I just think he's it. I really do. And I'm not, uh, like, I don't pretend to be a prospect guru. I don't pretend, by the way, a pet peeve of mine. Last week we had the draft, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Phillies are ninth round selection. And there's just people on Twitter that are like super raw, very toolsy, <laughs> high upside, love his swing plane. Little bit too much swing and miss for me, but boy, if he gets the right player development program, the sky's the limit. I'm like, this fucking, he's a high school kid. You never saw this kid swing a fucking bat ever in your entire life. Give me a break. Oh, Bob. Yeah, you're right. I try, it drives me nuts. Super raw, very toolsy, <laughs> great back to ball contact potential. Come on, man. I feel the same way, man. I do. And then even when I – I'll tell you the crossover with hockey, same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, we do a little bit of research on, like, the first – you know, the first-round types, right? You kind of kind of watch some video and try and learn a little bit about them, you know, talk to some people about these guys just in case, right? If your team ends up drafting them, then you can, ha- you can, you can speak with a little bit of authority. But when you start getting into, like, those later picks and no one's ever seen play ever anywhere and it's like, oh, and they're giving you a scouting report, like, come on. Like, you know – <laughs> what do you what do you really freaking know you know nothing you know absolutely nothing come on stop. plus velo plus velo struck out the side at perfect game georgia when he was a sophomore <laughs> in high school i was i was there yeah not, <laughs> yeah come on it's crazy man. it's absolutely yeah crazy. but i mean seriously i do think the painter's that guy i would be very reluctant to trade him i'd still actually rather put abel or mcgarry in a package of a team yeah i don't think teams view these three prospects the same way i think the painter despite the medical issues remains far and above the other two i think abel is probably the second guy and mcgarry you know, it's interesting. He's had his his moments this season, but he, he's been inconsistent, and he still does struggle with command. And I do wonder, like, McGarry became this guy that sort of shot onto the scene where everyone's like, this is a big-time prospect. Teams are interested in him. Phillies have something here. He's There's some plus upside. I, I do wonder if, like, he's kind of not gotten stale, but is that, that lack of ability to take that next step consistently sort of – um, maybe he limited some of the upside and the way that he's viewed around the league and the way that he might be entertained in potential trade packages. Yeah. I mean, you know, keep in mind, I mean, he is, you know, he's, he's 24, right? He's not a little kid anymore. Not young. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's it's been, been, it's been eight years since I watched him on YouTube throw his perfect game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sophomore year, perfect game session. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's been okay. You know, in the minors, he's only what he's got. He's only thrown 40 innings so far this year. And he he has lacks control, man, like 6.1 walks per nine (laughs) in 11 starts. Doesn't have any hits. 6.1 hits per nine. That's good. Uh, But 6.1 walks per nine. He strikes out a lot of guys. 12 strikeouts per nine. Okay, good. Good. Is that you know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like a guy who eh, maybe becomes a back end of the bullpen guy at some point. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think that's probably where where he's destined to be. Just saying. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, uh, I don't know if you have anything else you want to hit on aside from the one last thing, but uh, that's that's yeah. what I have for you this no, evening. No, that's it. That's good for the Phils. I think we got a, we, right. we wrapped it up pretty good. I mean, you got three games ahead in Cleveland. Um, we know that they're getting must win. What's that? Must win or gotta have this weekend. I, I think the, that they the should. I mean, look, Cleveland's no good, and and they're not getting. I mean, the BB kid who's the rookie. You know, he they face him Saturday, um, and you got Wheeler going against him. Um, tomorrow is Suarez against Williams, who is terrible. And then Sunday, Nola pitches against TBD and who knows who they're going to, cause that was, that was the spot that was originally Bieber. Um, and he's on the IL and, you know, I don't think it's going to be Quinn Priester again. So we'll see what Cleveland does on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I think that you're not a Gavin Williams guy. No. no he's got like a little upside to him. 1.18 whip, by the way. Uh, no. Yeah, you know, 23 years old. There's a little bit of heat on him. Yeah, no, no. I'm not a big right. fan. I think that they, I think, I think the Phillies win at least two this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep, sweep the, uh, the uh, Guardians. I got to keep sweep the Guardians. Yeah, All right, wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's a little preview for for the weekend. Um, here's my one last thing, Bob, and this is kind of a wacky one last thing, but I, I think, feel like it's worth mentioning, and it. You know, we we you brought up on Monday about I forget what, what the which reliever it was, but the Padres reliever who was you know so mad at himself that he was punching himself in the head, and then then you have um, Tom, it was, uh, Tom Cosgrove, I believe. Yeah, it was Cosgrove. Uh, okay, yeah. then you had Tommy Canely, uh absolutely obliterating a fan in the Yankees dugout, and I mean by a fan like a an actual not a human not being, a human yeah. being, but the fan that blows air, right? So he kicks it. You know, absolutely destroys it. Then you got Jared Kalanick from the Mariners breaking his foot, kicking a water cooler. Um, what the hell's going on? <laughs> it, it, like with these guys, like can, does there have to be some kind of look? You've co- you've coached kids, right? And now these are these are the these are professionals, and these are guys that are you know, obviously they're perfectionists, and it's a lot harder and everything else at this level, but. It's almost like this is happening a lot more. You're seeing these guys get so frustrated. I mean, even last year, Chris Sale breaking his, you know, breaking all the furniture in the thing and punching the wall and everything else. Like, and we've heard stories over the years. Of course, these things happen, but it just seems like it's happening more and more. And it's like, should should teams like really be focusing on these players from a from a mental perspective and like really have people talking to them sooner so that these kinds of outbursts aren't happening on the regular. <laughs> That's deep. I don't even really know how to respond. Well, to I mean, that. I, guess yeah, I, I, mean, I come they, to you because you've coached kids. I'm sure that they used to get frustrated too, right? They do. I mean, the, I mean, the thing with, with kids would be throwing the bat, throwing their helmet after a strikeout, you know, and, and you kind of like, you try to tell them, Hey, listen, like there's a, there's a way to go about showing your frustration and this isn't it. You look like an idiot when you do this. Um, that being said, I mean, I've been in games as a coach where, you know, and I, I started coaching high school baseball when I was in my early twenties. And so myself at 23 and the way I reacted to the situation is a little bit different than how I would react in my early thirties. You know, time goes on, you, you try to like harness things a little bit, but, um, you know, th- there was a time I can even tell you, like we as a team uh, were not performing the way that I felt that we needed to perform in a, a pretty important game. And I remember, you know, I'm at third base and I have the skull cap on and I get into the dugout. And we have these hooks in the dugout where we kind of like hang all of our stuff, obviously. And I was so angry that I palmed 
the the skull cap and I just like took it and I was like ready to hang it up and I just felt myself kind of go like Hulk for a second and I gripped the skull cap and I just slammed it like in frustration against the cinder block in the back of the dugout and it shattered it like in my hand and I like I like looked at it and I did it again and I shattered the helmet in half and like I I'm intense. Like if you're listening to this show, you know that I have some, some energy, I guess. Uh, but like, I try to be very positive with our players, but like, I have even felt myself in a moment. Like I wasn't, I didn't launch the helmet and I wasn't going on in a tirade of F words or anything like that. But just in that moment, I kind of just got so, so angry and so frustrated because I felt we were better than what we were doing. So I, I don't know. And the reason why I say that is I don't know, like, do players need to speak to somebody in order to ensure that they're not overwhelmed? I, like, I don't know because I didn't feel like I needed to speak to somebody. I just kind of let the moment get me a little bit. I think that these guys are just so competitive. So much is on the line. It's, it's tough, you know? And I, I think that it just, it just kind of happens where these things don't go well. You don't get the results you work your, your ass off for. And it just, Sometimes it gets the best of you. And I think baseball is the sport that kicks your ass more than any other sport. Yeah, it sure does. Right? It, it sure right. does, yeah. I mean, I, if you think about guys who struggle when they're struggling in other sports, it's, you know, they're usually not prolonged situations. It's not like a guy, you know, is is really struggling. You know, if you have a, you're a three-point shooter and then all of a sudden you can't hit a, hit a three in a game, okay, fine. But usually the next time you go out there, you're probably hitting your threes again. Because if you're a forty percent three point shooter, you're going to hit forty percent of the, of your shots. You might have a game where you shoot fifteen percent, but you're also going to have a game where you shoot sixty percent, and that kind of gets you back to the forty. And so that's just what you are. So they, I don't think it, it it festers as much in a sport like basketball. Um, you know, football doesn't really have that kind of you know situation where you're failing on the regular, right? I mean, just as individuals. Um, and, and then hockey, again, I guess you can get into a goal scoring drought or something and maybe get into your head a little bit that you're not scoring, but a lot of that's luck oriented too, right? So that's not, doesn't mean you're playing, you could still be playing a good hockey game and not score a goal, right? I mean, sometimes the best games are played by guys who you don't even show up on a score sheet. So I, but I think baseball is that sport where it's a lot more, it's a team game, but so much, so much of the team game is individualized that I think it, 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 it can get to you, man. And then, and I like, yeah, I get it. I understand it, but it's like, holy cow. Can I give you, can I give you like a little bit of like a, almost like a, a second one last thing that, that kind of plays directly off of this. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you saw last night in our uh, our little Slack chat. I, I posted a bunch of screenshots about uh, the reaction on Twitter to Matt Strom after he gave yeah. up the lead. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll, I'll say is this, and like I don't, you know, I, I I get the fans. They go through their entire day. They're living and dying by every game. Like every game is is important, and I think some fans also have money on the Phillies in these games too, which I don't think should be overlooked as well. Correct. But, you know, I, I said to myself, I'm like, remember when we did the, the podcast with Garrett Stubbs? And I said, like, do you guys ever go on, like, Twitter after a game and, you know, search your search your names and see what people are saying about you when things go south? Hey, you know, he kind of, like, didn't answer it directly, but was like, you know, we're human beings. We want to win. Like, certainly so, some of these guys are looking to what people are saying about them after a game. So, you know, Matt Strom gives up the lead and 
shit happens. It's not like he was atrocious. He made a mistake out over the middle of the plate and cost them. And in the in the slack, I, I dumped it in. I said, man, like, I don't know that I could be a pro athlete. Yeah. Here, here's a little sampling. And I, I don't want to, like, parade on, like, profanity here. But, like, Matt Strom fucking blows. Matt Strom can eat a fill in the blank. Why does Matt Strom feel the need to continuously give up crucial runs as soon as he enters the game? Matt Strom is ass. Matt Strom is ass. Matt Strom cry emoji. One fucking strike, Matt Strom. One fucking pitch. God fucking damn it. Like, and it went on and on. There were like 30, 40 tweets just like, of, like just destroying me. Yeah. Do, like, yeah, I know. You talk about the mental health component of being an athlete in 2023. I get like, dude, Eagles play on a Sunday. I've had a couple beers. Like they go three and out. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like. <laughs> I get it. Like, I understand. Like, I am a fan of sports that that gets frustrated and has has Twitter on my cell phone. I know. But man, like, we got to check ourselves a little bit. Like, this is destructive stuff. And like, it will take a toll on these guys. It has to. Like, these guys aren't 45 years old. They're they're 22. They're 26. They're 30. They grew up with cell phones in their hands when they were in elementary school, they use these apps. And like, I don't know how the hell these guys fail and then go online and, and look at the, the, the damage Bob I'm, and see what people are saying about themselves. I couldn't do it. I could not come back from how, that. How many times, you, how many times do you walk in the clubhouse right after a game and a guy's sitting there and right in front of his, his locker with, with, the, the, phone with the phone out, out and, and you can see them scrolling. What do you think they're scrolling through? Yeah. yeah, they're not. They're not. not yeah. Good game, honey. Nice try. <laughs> they're not scrolling through text messages. That's for sure. Matt Strom is ass. <laughs> you know, like I just don't. I don't. I could not do it. Like as a guy who we do a podcast in which we talk about failure. I just talked about Derek Hall. Like it's time to go, Derek. You weren't good enough. Like that. I, I'm not saying that that's easy for these guys. It's not. But man, like it gets personal and it gets nasty. And, and quickly, just, it sucks like that, that, and you know, Hey, listen, Oh, you guys get paid to play a game. They can deal with it, I guess. But man, like you talk about like the mental toll of the game on these guys. Yeah. I don't think it's all that unreasonable to see why somebody's beating the shit out of a, a fan. Again, not a human being, but an actual air fan. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Uh, good episode. I actually enjoyed this. Uh, when I can actually keep myself up at night, mixing in a little beer is nice. A little different vibe to the show, but it's tough, man. It's 11 o'clock. I am very tired right now, Anthony. <laughs> it makes two of us. Don't forget, I te- I was teaching this morning, too, right? So I'm yeah, up early. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good. Very good. All right. Well, listen, Phillies Guardians this weekend out in Cleveland. If you're going out to Cleveland, you can see Anthony Sanfilippo. He'll be in the stands. Look for him. Yeah, find him. Find me. DM him and ask him what section he's in, and if he wants to meet you at the Rock and Roll Hall. I think I told. I think I told you this last year when we I, we did the same trip with my dad and my my kids. We were in Pittsburgh, and walked in. We were in the in the Pirates team store because Andrew wanted a pirate shirt, and a guy recognized me from the podcast and and just said hey lo- love your podcast and i was like and the, the boys were like are you serious right now and i was like yeah 
they, they you know what you. actually makes me feel good like our like we look at the metrics of yeah. like who's listening to this show how many people and like it's growing but it's not like yeah. explosive growth it's not as much as i'd like it to be or that you would like it to be but it's pretty good it's it's like growing but i feel like we're getting a little bit more like tread like there's a little bit more like oh yeah like dude i like your show or like oh yeah you're that guy with that podcast like i do feel like that the notoriety of the podcast is expanding a little bit yeah uh, so hopefully 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 when we're in the guardians team store somebody will recognize us again yeah, somebody, yeah. i can share that share that story with you on monday yeah brick by brick yeah. all right listen uh you can follow us on Twitter. The show account is at up Phillies. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Ansan Philly. I'm at Bob underscore Wankel. Make sure that you're checking us out on YouTube, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you on Monday.